This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, we travel back to 1949. Major news stories include Mao Zedong proclaiming the Communist People's Republic of China, the first Volkswagen Beetle, the people's car sold in the U.S., and RCA perfected a system for broadcasting color television. 1949 was a welcome relief after many years of misery through the Depression and World War II. Post-war prosperity is starting to get underway, with companies now able to supply the cars, televisions, and the other goods demanded in a consumer society. The cars got bigger, the TVs got bigger, with some 6.2 million new cars sold in the U.S. and nearly 10 million televisions in American homes. A new type of TV program appeared called soap operas. Well, the name came from the fact that many soap manufacturers sponsored the shows to catch the stay-at-home mom with advertising. George Orwell's classic dystopian novel, 1984, was published in the United Kingdom, considered to be one of the most influential novels written during the 20th century. The story focused on a futuristic, totalitarian state that set out to control the thoughts of its citizens and rewrite history. The novel was an immediate success and was made into a movie in 1956 and again in 1984. The book was so influential that many of its made-up terms have become part of the normal speech, such as Big Brother, Thought Police, and Double Think. The first 45 RPM vinyl record was introduced January 10th of 1949, and some of the songs on the radio then, uh, A, You're Adorable by Perry Como, Mule Train by Frankie Lane, and the movies you'd line up to see the films 12 O'Clock High, and of course Frank Sinatra star in On the Town with Gene Kelly. Rodgers and Hammerstein debuted the musical South Pacific and Broadway. Silly Putty went on sale in plastic eggs for a buck. And on radio, Duffy's Tavern was bringing laughs to radio audiences all over North America. Crystal Myers, makers of Ipana toothpaste for the smile of beauty and Vitalis for well-groomed hair, bring you Duffy's Tavern, starring Archie himself, Ed Gardner. Hello, Duffy's Tavern. Where do you eat me to eat? Archie, the manager speaking. Duffy ain't here. Oh, hello, Duffy. Ah, oh, Duffy, I'm as happy as a bee with the hives. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm getting married. Yep, to a very high-class society dame. I, I got in touch with her through the Lonely Hearts Club and the Police Gazette. <laughs> yes, I was intrigued by their slogan. It said, uh, every client comes back and thanks us 
the girls ain't pretty, but they're awful anxious. <laughs> well, uh, I've been corresponding uh, with the Dame Duffy, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to marry, you know? Sounds terrific. Huh? When you married Mrs. Duffy, she was terrific, too. Young and cute and Irish as Patty's pig, huh? Now, after 30 years, you wish you'd married the pig. <laughs> well, at what point did she start to change? The minute you carried her over the threshold, huh? <laughs> hey, wait a minute, just a second. How'd you ever carry a fat dame like that over the threshold? Two trips. <laughs> well, Duffy, I'm glad to see that you still got a sense of humor about me. Sweet old fat slob. <laughs> well, I'll call you back. I got a lot of things on my mind. Eddie. Uh, uh, yes, Mr. Eddie, uh, when a guy's getting married and he starts walking down the aisle, uh, which foot does he start with? The, the left or the right? Left or right, he's still off on the wrong foot. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, I'm uh, thinking of committing matrimony, you know. Oh. Mazel tov. <laughs> <laughs> Might I ask you uh, who the lady in question is? Well, the questionable lady uh, <coughs> happens to be uh, Miss uh, Millicent Van Schnook. Mm. What does this schnook look like? <laughs> Eddie, it's Van Schnook. And she's beautiful, she says. <laughs> Where'd you meet this schnook? Van Schnook. I'm sorry, Van Schnook. Well, uh, I ain't met her yet. As I say, the, the wedding is being handled through the mails. Mm, what won't Sears and Roebuck think of me? <laughs> you, you say you fell in love with this gal by mail? Yeah, funny thing how it happened, Eddie. All began with a mere penny postcard. But before the week was out, we was mailing hot special deliveries. <laughs> yeah, with the stamps upside down. <laughs> you should have seen them last couple of letters. Flaming. I told her how she kindled me spark of love and... How my embers was burning for her. <clears throat> then I filled up the rest of the page with X's. You mad, passionate thing, you. <laughs> well, anyway, I'll soon be married. It'll be wonderful, you know. Get out of that lonely furnished room. Have a real home. Two wash rags instead of one. Two teeth brush. Two towels, two rings around the bathtub. You're really happy, huh? Yeah, sure am. I've always wanted a family, and who knows? I might uh, have some little ones someday that would turn their sweet cherubic faces up to me and, and say, uh, Oh, what? Hello, uh, Eddie, remind me to get in touch with Margaret Sangster, will you? Uh, Guess what, Finnegan? I'm getting married. That's nice. What else is new? Maybe you didn't hear me right. I'm getting married. M-A-R-R-E-D. <laughs> married? Ah, oh, that's stupid. Why? What's wrong with marriage? Well, it's all right for people with children. <laughs> Personally, I, I think it takes the fun out of being a bachelor. Finnegan... You are exactly what you look like. Who's a moron? <laughs> you. Oh, I'm a moron. Who's the guy that's getting married? Look, people got to get married. Our whole way of life is based on it. Why? 
Well, because men are men and women are women. Well, like Grant, it's a novel arrangement, but I don't see the point. <laughs> All right, let me put it this way. Yeah. Uh, your father and mother, they was married, right? I'll go along with that. <laughs> okay. Now, if your father and mother hadn't gotten married, where would you be today? Up at the ball game. <laughs> hey, you see what I'm driving at? Well, do you? Let me put it this way. No. <laughs> well, look, I'm merely trying to explain. You see, the fact that your parents hit the jerk pot, uh, <laughs> this has nothing to do with it. Uh, human life, uh, Finnegan, is deeper than that. Now, take Freud, for instance. He says mankind falls in love for interior motives, you see. But Freud can be wrong. All right. Would you mind if I ask you a question? What? What are we talking about? <laughs> we are talking about love and marriage. The, you mean that stuff about the birds and the bees? Yeah. Mere propaganda. <laughs> the birds and the bees? Why, sure. Last week, I took a bee, and I put it in the bird's cage, and... Yeah? Frankly, Arch, nothing has happened. <laughs> I still fail to see whether it has anything to do with something. Uh, however, I won't argue the point. Well, uh, I just... Uh... You're certainly in a talkative mood tonight, Arch. Well, why not, Joe? When a guy's planning to marry a dame like this Millicent, he wants to shout it out to the whole world. Same with me. Yeah, huh? Yeah. Every week I like to tell the whole world about Ipana toothpaste. Mm, well, some guys like dames, some guys like toothpaste. <laughs> Personally, I'm a guy that likes dames, you know. Uh, when I give them a little squeeze, I don't have to worry about getting the brush. I thank you. <laughs> I like girls, too, but I like them to have a lovely smile. And that's why I like to tell everyone about Ipana. For Ipana helps you to the prettiest, most sparkling smile you ever had. You know, dentists like Ipana so much that it's the toothpaste more of them use themselves as well as recommend to their patients than any other. You ought to try the Ipana way to a pretty smile yourself. Because dentists say the Ipana way works. And it's easy. First... Between regular visits to your dentist, brush all tooth surfaces with Ipana toothpaste at least twice a day. Then massage gums the way your dentist advises to stimulate gum circulation. Then see the difference Ipana toothpaste can make to your teeth, to your smile. Get a tube of Ipana first chance you get. Remember, a good dentifrice like a good dentist is never a luxury. So make the Ipana way your way to healthier gums, brighter teeth, a more sparkling smile. The Ipana smile. The smile of beauty. Hey, Eddie. Yeah? Eddie, uh, see what you think of this wedding invitation, huh? Wedding invitation? Yeah, I just wrote it out. Hmm, let's see. I, Archie, hereby announce his engagement... To the former Miss Van Schnook, Nee Millicent. <laughs> the bride and groom hereby request your presence. Uh, presidents. No, no, I'll try it again, sir. 
president? Uh, <laughs> oh, well, we were only on that tape. <laughs> uh, see this week, sneaky way our sneaky way is I underline the word presence. Continue, Eddie. Okay. Those <laughs> will be optional. But we prefer black tie. Clothes will be optional. Well, that <laughs> don't apply to the ladies, of course. Uh, might be a little gaudy. <clears throat> Continue, Eddie. Obscene language will not be tolerated, as ceremony will be civil. <laughs> Signed, Cobina Wright. Cobina Wright. Gives it a little touch of class. <laughs> Boy, it's going to be a big night for Third Avenue, all right? Say, Archie, I hear you getting married. Yeah. Oh, well, may I propose a toast? Oh, thank you, Miss Duffy. What's the toast? Uh... There's nothing so sweet as a wedding in June. Here's to the bride and here's to the goon. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're bitter, huh? Just mad because you're still on a shelf. Oh, yeah. I could have got off the shelf plenty of times. Enumerate the opportunities. <laughs> Who? Well, for one, Ernest Diefendorfer. For two, Breckenbridge Hartsenfelder. And for three, Harold Harperrode. How did she ever miss Adolf Schickel group? <laughs> These guys all wanted to marry you? They certainly did. In fact, Harold Harperrode turned to drink when I refused to marry him. Naturally, a thing like that calls for a celebration. <laughs> but if you had all these proposals, how come your old man has a standing offer of two white shirts to any guy that'll go out with you? And he'll even shorten the sleeves. <laughs> Archie, that's a lie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It was Mama that said she'd shorten the sleeves. <laughs> Besides, you're somebody to talk. I'd like to see what's marrying you. What's marrying me happens to be a very beautiful society dame from a family with yachts and swimming pools and packet cars. And I'm going to be the man that owns one. Oh, just marrying her for her father's money, huh? Who's marrying her for father's money? I'd marry her no matter whose money it was. <laughs> and I resent the inference that I'm a piccolo. <laughs> Say, Art, uh, by the way, did you get the wedding ring yet? Oh, oh, yeah, thanks for reminding me. Give me that phone. Hello? Tiffany and Schwartz? <laughs> uh, genuine department, please. <laughs> Hello? Genuine? Mr. Tiffany? <clears throat> this is Archie of Duffy's Tavern. Uh, I'm thinking about getting married... Thank you. Uh, tell me, tell me, Mr. Tiffany, what have you got in a diamond wedding ring? Something with a nice large floor. <laughs> huh? How many carrots? Uh, oh, I know, about 30 or 40. <laughs> hmm? How much? Hmm. Let me talk to Schwartz. <laughs> oh, Schwartz? Uh, what have you got in a nice diamond ring? Oh, up to about five bucks. <laughs> huh? You'll let me know as soon as the glass blower comes back from lunch? <laughs> okay, Schwartz, I'll wait for your call. <clears throat> Gosh, five bucks for a wedding ring? 
So what? I make that kind of dough in a couple of days. <laughs> Besides, this is one marriage I want to get started right. You see, Finnegan, a, a woman is a peculiar thing. You've got to approach her tenderly, like a delicate flower, uh, else love is apt to wane out the window. Yeah. Sarge, how do you ever learn so much about love? Just observation. You see, before I worked at Duffy's, I used to be flashlight man in a drive-in movie. <laughs> well, dude, you certainly learned a lot. Well, Good evening, Archie, boy. Well, Clancy the cop. And how many of to you? Thanks. In the back of me hand to you, sir. Uh, Eddie, some bourbon. Uh, three fingers for the long arm. <laughs> well, thank you, Archie. I could use a pick-me-up. You know, we had our annual policeman's ball last night. Oh, I feel terrible. Oh, wine, women, and song, huh? Yes, but not necessarily in that order. <laughs> it's too bad you weren't there, Archie. No, Clancy, my days is over as a spinster. Uh, I gotta settle down now that I'm getting married. You? Taking the leap? Mm -hmm. I thought you always played hard to get. I did, but I found if you play too hard to get, you'd... Don't get cut. <laughs> well, I, I certainly hope you found the right girl, Archie. You know, choosing a wife is a serious business. When you embark on the sea of matrimony, make sure you don't do what I did and get a leaky boat. <laughs> you never know what kind of a woman you get until after you marry her. Yeah, it's like taking a poke at a pig, ain't it? <laughs> well, I tell you, Archie, marriage is just like a hot bath. After a while, it ain't so hot. <laughs> Take my case, for example. Mrs. C and I were married in a beautiful little ceremony over in Ireland. In accordance with the tradition, first I kissed the Blarney Stone, and then I kissed Mrs. Clancy. You know, the Blarney Stone had more pucker than she did. <laughs> yeah, I've met Mrs. Clancy. Pretty horrible kisser. That's right, you have met her, haven't you? Yeah, but the dame I'm marrying is different. There's plenty of dough, uh, gorgeous figure, you know, loaded with money, beautiful eyes, loaded with dough. Just a second, Arch. You wouldn't be thinking of taking money from a woman, would you? Is there a law? <laughs> but, Archie, that would make you a leech and a parasite. Leave us not think of me as a leech or a parasite, Clancy. Leave us just think of the dame as an art supporter. Art supporter, hey. that's good. I think I'll send it to Wool and Winchell. <laughs> Remind me to do that, will you, Eddie? Okay. Uh, by the way, this telegram just arrived for you. A telegram for me? Let's see. Hey. It's from Millicent. She says yes. She's going to marry me. She's on her way down here. Oh, congratulations, Archie. Well, thanks, Finnegan. Congratulations, Mr. Archie. Thank you, Eddie. Condolences, Archie. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Clancy. I'm only kidding. Marriage is a fine institution. And underneath it all, I think Mrs. Clancy is the salt of the earth. I only wish I could shake her. <laughs> well, good luck to you, me boy. Archie, may I offer my congratulations? Well, thank you, Joe. And I'd like to give you this little bottle as a wedding present. You think I should be hitting the bottle so soon after I get married? <laughs> but you didn't look at it. It's a bottle of Vitalis. And Vitalis means well-groomed hair. Do you get it? Not yet. Feed it to me slow. <laughs> Don't you see? If you use Vitalis, your hair will look... Well, I mean, you'll be a well-haired groom. 
Joe. Is your last name Miller? <laughs> All right, so I'm not so good with the joke, Sarge. But you've got to admit that what I say is true. Vitalis is perfect for well-groomed hair, and it's particularly good if you're troubled with dry, unruly hair. Hair that's been dried out by sun, wind, and water. Why, no other hair preparation can give your scalp and hair better protection than Vitalis and the 60-second workout. For the Vitalis formula contains two of the same ingredients that many skin specialists prescribe for dry, flaky scalps, plus all the other extras that make your hair more handsome, more healthy-looking. So try the Vitalis 60-second workout. Let it prevent scalp and hair dryness, rout flaky dandruff, and give you the best-looking, healthiest-looking head of hair you ever had. Look your best tomorrow if you get a bottle of Vitalis today. Doing there, Archie? Uh, studying over these travel folders, Miss Duffy. I'm trying to figure out where to go on me honeymoon now. Newport, Palm Springs. Palm Springs, that might not be bad. I hear they get some pretty nice-looking dames down there. <laughs> yeah, they'll come in handy on your honeymoon. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, let's see. Bermuda, Cuba, Nassau. How about Lithuania? <laughs> Why Lithuania? What's wrong with Lithuania? Nothing. Okay. Well, that settles that. <laughs> now, where else could we go? Miami, Monte Carlo. Why would anybody want to go to Lithuania? Katrinka Yabak comes from Lithuania. So what? Katrinka's a very nice girl. Well, so is Millicent a very nice girl, and Millicent's the one I'm going on my honeymoon with. Well, okay, then. Okay. Go anywhere you want. That's just what I'm going to do. I still think you ought to go to Lithuania. <laughs> I think you should go someplace. <clears throat> uh, let's look over this folder here, Eddie. Honolulu, just overnight from Los Angeles by Pan American Airways, only 3.38 round trip, including sleeper. Eddie, remind me to pack me sheer black pajamas. Hmm? <laughs> uh, don't bother me now, Finnegan. The dame I'm going to marry me future spouse is going to be here any minute, and we've got to get busy. We ain't even shoveled an aisle through the sawdust yet. You mean you're going to have the wedding here? Why not? People get married over the radio, they get married in theaters and airplanes. That's right, Arch. I even heard about a couple getting married in a church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Now, let's see. I got to get the ring and the minister, the uh, carnations for the ushers. Well, uh, how about orange blossoms for the bride? Uh, let's not spoil her, Eddie. Just whip up a couple of martinis. <laughs> Now, let's see. I'll need striped pants and a castaway coat. And, uh, and uh, I've got to make reservations for a trip through the Tunnel of Love. Now, what else? Uh, uh, what kind of music are you going to have at the wedding, Archie? Well, we're going to have organ music, of course. Organ, huh? Oh, that's nice. Who's going to pass the tin cup? You? <laughs> Frustrated humor, if I ever heard it. <laughs> Miss Duffy, this ain't gonna be no hurdy-gurdy organ. It's gonna be a beautiful pipe organ playing the wedding march. Hmm. I'll bet you wouldn't even know which wedding march to play. Well, how many wedding marches is there? There's two. Lohengrin's and Mendelssohn's. And which one do you like best? Well, Mendelssohn has always been my favorite. And I'll bet you was his, too. <laughs> 
And that's the one we're going to play. Ah, what a dopey wedding. What did you say? I think I made myself plain. No, Mother Nature took care of that. <laughs> now, look, Miss Duffy, please don't leave us argue on me wedding night. Uh... Uh, Miss Archie, if this wedding is going to take place tonight, don't you think you ought to rehearse it a little? A uh, good idea, Eddie. Uh, yeah, who could be the preacher? I'll do it. Uh, good. Uh, now, who could be the bride? How about me? Not even by proxy. <laughs> Let's see, who could be the bride? Uh, There's my girl. <laughs> Finnegan, how would you like to be me bride? Okay, Art, but first I think we'd better get me mother's consent. <laughs> no, it's only make-believe. Now, here, uh, hold me hand. Hold your hand. Yeah, okay. okay. Now, uh, start the ceremony, Eddie. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here... Uh, just a minute, together. Eddie. Uh, what's the matter, Finnegan? Can't you stand still? Well, I'm neighbor, George. This is a big step in me life. <laughs> <laughs> Worries me. Suppose we ain't compatible. <laughs> well, if we ain't, we'll just shake hands like little gentlemen and call it off. Now, go ahead, Eddie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here together... Uh, uh, just a second. Not that I want to butt in, but don't you think the bride should have on something old and something new? Hey, this is one time she's right. Finnegan, uh, you got on anything that's old? Yeah, me pants. <laughs> uh, what about something new? The patches. <laughs> you know, I guess that'll cover it. <laughs> All right, proceed ahead, Eddie. Uh... Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here together. Well, Arch, I can't go through with it. What's the matter? I feel silly marrying you. <laughs> Why? Well, you're so much taller than I am. <laughs> Would the bride please keep her trap shut? <laughs> now, come on, let's get this over with. Do you, Mr. Archer, take Miss Millicent to be your lawful wedded wife? Miss Millicent? Yeah. So already you got another woman, huh? <laughs> and, and there ain't no other woman. It's, it's just an example, a, a metaphor. I don't care what your metaphor. Get her out of my house. <laughs> Maybe we better make it so he can understand it. Uh, call the bride Finnegan. Okay. Do you, Miss Finnegan, take Mr. Archer to be your lawful wedded husband? Do I? What? Do I? Finnegan, it's I do. Okay, then you marry him. Finnegan, this ain't a real wedding. It's only kind of, uh, you know, mock believe. Uh, Now, try it again, Eddie. Okay. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here together. Hey, wait a minute. Hey, who's that dame that just come in the door there? Better go over and see what she wants, Eddie. Okay, I'll be right back. The preacher has to go wait on a customer. What a place for a wedding. Miss Duffy, to me and me bride, this place will be the little church around the corner. Don't forget, to people in love, things only seem to be what they are. (laughs) (laughs) And Miss Archie, guess what? What? That girl that just come in as your bride-to-be. You mean that, Miss Millicent? That gorgeous hunk of punkritude? That's right. (laughs) She's beautiful. Hubba. Hub, pardon me, uh, are you really Millicent? That's right. (laughs) 
Miss Van Schnook, would you mind to repeat that? Yeah, you are, Chase. Finnegan, is there any limbs missing from your family tree? Uh, well, are you right, you Archie? Why? Well, if you are, I'm your little Millie. Millie, I got sad news for you. Archie just left town. He went back to his wife and his 12 children. Gee, I've been tilted. <laughs> well, I think you're better off, Miss Van Schnook. That Archie was never no good anyhow. You know, he's a cheat and a crook and a no-good bum. Uh, tell her about him, Eddie. No, go on. You know the facts better than me. <laughs> See what I mean? Uh, well, I guess I'll just have to go back home and try me luck again. Uh, don't leave, Millie. <laughs> uh, I think you're kind of cute. Yeah, uh, you're pretty cute, too. Uh, I think we got something in common. I wonder what it could be. <laughs> hey, I got it. Do, do you like touchy rolls? Uh, I love them. I'll bet that's what it is. <laughs> what do you say we go down to the candy store and split one? Uh, can I trust you? Well, sure you can trust me. I'll divide it even. <laughs> okay, okay, it's a deal. Uh, so long, everybody. Uh, so long, everybody. Well, so long, you lucky couple. I hope you'll always be happy together. And if you have any children, name them after uh, the Gargantua. <laughs> Duffy, next week, uh, Charles Coburn. Well, he's uh, sort of an old Jolson. Yeah, yeah, the only difference between Jolson and Coburn is that when Jolson gets down on one knee, there's a chance that he'll be proposing to a dame. Well, anyway, Coburn will be here next week, Duffy. Uh, be sure to listen in, huh? Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Time now to leave Duffy's Tavern for this evening, but let's meet here again at the same time next Wednesday when our guest will be Charles Coburn. Duffy's Tavern is brought to you by Ipana Toothpaste for the smile of beauty and Vitalis for well-groomed hair. Each Wednesday, Bristol-Myers brings you Duffy's Tavern and Mr. District Attorney, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Stay tuned for Cary Grant, starring in a Screen Guild Theater production next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Time now for Cary Grant as he stars in the Screen Guild Theater production of True to Life. <laughs> Esther presents the Screen Guild Players. The Lady 
Polyester Screen Guild play tonight is Paramount Pictures' hilarious story, True to Life. And ladies and gentlemen, we're sorry Dick Powell can't be with us tonight. In his place, playing the part of Link Ferris, you'll have to put up with Cary Grant. (laughs) Who, me? Uh, Excuse me, please. And uh, we're sorry Joan Leslie can't be here either. In her place, you'll have to put up with Linda Darnell. Who, me? Uh, Excuse me, please. Miss Darnell plays the part of Bonnie Porter, and Victor Moore is her father. Me? That's right, Victor. And William Demarest is Uncle Jake. Some Uncle Jake. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that will give you an idea. The Lady Esther Screen Guild players in True to Life. Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Yes, a lot of people listen to Kitty Farmer. Only this time, the sponsor listens too. And then... Who writes that hogwash? Who writes that tripe? Uh, Link Ferris and Fletch Marvin. They're tops, Mr. Huggins. Get $1,000 a week apiece. For that squill? I tell you, Kitty Farmer isn't real anymore. She's phony. She's counterfeit. Wait, jumping Jeremiah, she isn't even human. Oh, I'm sure the boys can make her human, Mr. Huggins. They're not just ordinary writers, you know. Writers like Fletch and Link are born. That's the trouble. Well, they better get a new idea fast, or I'll take Kitty Farmer off the air. Ah, uh, what's the use of kidding ourselves, Fletch? Huggins is right. We're written dry. Link, you know what we need? What? A nice hot bath and a shave. Mm-hmm. And then... Lights, drinks, beautiful women. Uh, Who knows? Somebody might say something. Yeah, it won't be anything we can use. Maybe that's our trouble, a thousand bucks a week. We've lost the common touch. We ought to get around and talk to real people. We might find the kitty farmer we're looking for. That's what I said. Let's go hunting. Not your kind of hunting. Hey, where's my hat? I'm going out for a walk. And so Link Ferris is walking in the rain. Walking, thinking not even watching where he goes, until finally he stops at Anton's Diner, where pretty young Bonnie Porter works. Now remember, his clothes are soaking wet, and there's a two-day stubble of beard on his chin. He doesn't look much like a thousand a week. In fact, to Bonnie's practiced eye, he looks like someone who might need help. Um, anything special on that menu you like? Oh, this looks pretty good. Roast beef, french fried potatoes, and coffee. <laughs> the 60-cent blue plate. Uh-huh. That's, uh... Sixty cents. Well, sure. Uh, oh, you mean... Uh, <laughs> I get it. You think I haven't got sixty cents, huh? Oh, you're way off, sister. I'm loaded. I've got enough right here to... to, to... Hey, hey, that's funny. Anything wrong? <laughs> Looks as if I forgot my wallet. I don't suppose you'd cash a check, would you? Oh, well... Mr. Kapopoulos, gentleman here wants to cash a check. Tell them we got a deal with the bank. They don't sell hamburgers. We don't cash no checks. <laughs> Roast beef, mister? <laughs> well, I, I guess I'm not as hungry as I thought. Just, uh, just coffee, please. Oh, how about a hamburger? It's only a quarter. No, no, thanks. Just coffee. Roast beef, rare and juicy, hey, coming up. Wait a minute. I didn't order that. Oh, I... you can pay me back sometime. Yeah, but, but why should you do that for me? Because well, you're hungry. Uh, Oh. Besides, it's a kind of a hobby of mine, you see. I kind of like to fill in the blank spaces. Oh, yes. 
Hey, give me that again. Well, some people put mustaches on pictures. Uh Some collect matchbooks. Well, I like to read people's faces and make up stories about them. Oh, I see. You, uh, you made up any about me? Oh, sure. You're just having tough luck. Tuck, tuck, tough well, luck right, right now. Yeah. <laughs> your trouble is that you want to make a lot of money, $100 a week. So you get mad all the time and quit your job. Say, uh, how come you work here? I mean, a girl like you. Well, huh? because my kid brother wants to be a doctor, and my uh-huh. father works in a bakery, and Mom can use the extra money, and besides, I don't mind working here. Why? Oh, nothing. I, I was just thinking, that's all. Hey, anybody home? Hey, Bonnie, you sure your family won't mind after all bringing a stranger home? Well, you're not a stranger anymore. Come on. Hello, everybody. Oh, Say, this is Mr. Ferris. Uh, Mom? How do you do? How do you do? My brother, Clem. Hi. Hello. And that's Mom's brother, Uncle Jake. Uh, Hi. Hey, where's Pop? Oh, down in the cellar, as usual. Well, I'll go get him. Make yourself at home, Mr. Ferris. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sit down, young man. Uh, Thank you, Mrs. Porter. Pop's inventing down in the cellar. When he's not at the bakery, he's an inventor. Hmm, some inventor. Well, that's Uncle Jake. He and Pop don't get along. They don't even talk to each other. And sometimes they... Here he is, Mr. Ferris. This is Pop. Oh, glad to meet you, my boy. Any friend of Bonnie's or your friend of... What's the matter, anything wrong? Well, no, but that, uh, that, uh... Oh, this gas mask I'm wearing. Oh, it's one of my inventions. Some invention. Mom, you make him keep his nose out of this. My nose ain't in it. His nose is. He looks a lot better with that gas mask on. Pop invents a lot of things, Mr. Ferris. Synthetic rubber, too. Oh, really? Synthetic rubber, huh? Mr. Porter, are you doing anything with it? Well, not exactly. I can't get any raw materials. Well, uh, what raw materials do you need? Well, rubber. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, uh, where are you from, Mr. Ferris? Uh, Me? Yes, where are you from? Oh, uh, oh, well, uh, all over. I mean... Oh, uh... uh, Mom, I thought perhaps... Well, you see, Mr. Ferris came into the diner, and he was hungry, and, well, I thought maybe he could stay with us till he finds a job. Uh, a what? Well, the way you followed me around, I knew you didn't have a place to stay. Ain't we got enough mouths to feed? Mom, why don't your brother feed his own big mouth? He knows I'm a sick man. Sick my foot. He eats like a horse. A healthy one. Now, Pop, you needn't raise your voice. There's a stranger in the house. Uh, what do you do, Mr. Ferris? Uh, me? Oh, almost anything. Now, I mean, what's your line of work? Oh, well, uh, sort of general line, you know. Uh, just the tramp. <laughs> yeah, look who's talking. Mrs. Porter, I, yeah? I'm afraid Bonnie's got things mixed up. You see, uh, well, I've got a place. Sure I... you have my boy right here with us. We mean it, Mr. Ferris. Well, uh, well, thanks, but if I did, I, uh, I mean, uh, Maybe you let me pay board, huh? Nah, nothing doing, son. I'm glad to help you. I'm glad to. John D. Rockefeller. Some Rockefeller. <laughs> well, at least I got a heart, which is more than some people I know. Well, I'm sure Mr. Ferris won't be any trouble. Be swell if he'd stay. I could get some blood. Y- blood? <laughs> Just a little for my oh. microscope. <laughs> Clem's the one that's going to be a doctor. Oh, I see. Well, you won't let that bother you. Oh, no, not at all. Well, you'll stay then? Yeah, thanks, but look, uh, would you tell your brother that the Red Cross already has an option on me? Would you do that? Mm. 
No kidding, Link. That family's a gold mine. I wrote them into the script just the way you said, and Huggins really went for it big. Yeah. He said they sounded so real. Fletch, you didn't tell him they are a real family, did you? Don't be a dope. Good. If he knew they were real, he'd say they sounded phony. Yeah, well, what worries me? Suppose they hear the show. They're apt to recognize themselves. Well, just keep them from hearing it. Uh, do something to the radios. Uh, yeah, if I can. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, what kind of a dame is this, Kitty? I mean, uh, Bonnie. Oh, Bonnie. Oh, uh... <clears throat> oh, she's very ordinary. Just the uh, run-of-the-mill type, you know? Oh, <laughs> Well, I certainly appreciate what you're doing, old boy. Burying yourself with a bunch like that. Oh, that's all right, Fletch. I'm sure you do the same in my place. Say, I'd better get back. They think I'm out looking for a job. Yeah, well, remember, I can't write that script unless you bring me some dope every night. Sure, sure. Well, uh, I'll dig it up and you uh, dish it out. What a setup. What a setup. Uh, Excuse me, Mr. Fletch. You must have dropped this picture here out of your pocket, sir. Who is it, Mabel? Oh, no, sir. It says on here from Bonnie. Bonnie? Let me see that. Just a run-of-the-mill type, he said. Sure is pretty, ain't she? And he was making such a sacrifice. Such a... Gabe, do you know what this story needs? Uh, no, sir. Complications, Gabe. It needs a few complications. Well, uh, Mr. Ferris, uh, you found a job yet? Uh, no, not yet, Mrs. Pauly, but don't you worry, I'm looking. Right. Some looker. Uncle Jake, please. Say, you know there might be a job open down at the bakery, and Link's got a good pair of shoulders on him. Pop means he's got a well-developed clavicle. Clavicle, schlamicle. I'd rather listen to the radio. <laughs> hey, Link, you know, maybe Mom's right. You can't just keep on waiting. You've got to start something. I mean... Sudsy Sud is bringing you their amusing new series, That Farmer Family. First, the Gene Pardon me, please. Who... What's the idea? I wanted to listen. Oh, uh, yeah, well, I, uh, I, uh... Oh, hiccups, see? Always get them this time of the day. Hiccups, see? Diaphragm oh. is irritated. Me too. Why did he turn off that radio? Well, uh, well, you see, that's the only way I can stop these hiccups. Quiet. Gotta have absolute quiet, eh? That's funny. There's no relation between the diaphragm and... I, I, there's another thing, too. Uh, Mrs. Porter, yeah. I know you think it's inconsiderate of me not taking any old job, but I'm looking for something more in my line. Hmm. I didn't know you had a line. Uh, say, why can't I turn on that radio? Oh, sure, sure. I've got a line. I, uh, I, uh, uh, music. That's my line, music. Hmm? You listen. Why, Link, I didn't know you played. My belly, that's not bad. I used to play the melodium once. Some melodium. Well, it was better than yours, Ethel. Hey, both of you, please. Oh, dear. Oh, Clem, will you see who it is? Oh, it's always me, Hester. Oh, Link. Link, will you hold it a minute? Someone's at the front door. Hey, Bonnie, it's a man. I hope I'm not intruding, good people. Say, that's not a man. That's Link. A... Uh, Fletcher Marvin is my name. It's an emergency. May I use your phone, please? Well, well of course. It's, it's right over there. Thank you, miss. Hello, operator. Uh, get me Plaza 7124. I'm sorry to bother you folks. I had a little accident. Oh, anybody hurt? I can handle a splint job or a fracture. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, gee, too bad. Hello. Hello, Gabe. Uh, this is Marvin. Yes, I'm, I'm out in Sunnyside. A car broke down on Jackson Street. Yeah, a fella came out of an alley, stuck a gun in my ribs. Oh, uh, no, no, I, I tackled him, but he got away. <laughs> yeah. uh, will you uh, bring the other car over and pick me up? Yes, Jackson and Fremont. Yes, I'll go over right now. Fine. Goodbye. Oh, Mr. Marvin, you you sure you're all right? Oh, yes, I'm I'm quite all right. I, I know I've put you to a lot of trouble, and I'm sorry to run off like this, but uh, you hear from me. 
Good night. Hey, we'll hear from him. You know what? I think he meant that. You know what? I know he did. Roses, Mom. From that Mr. Marvin. Dozens of roses. Oh, look, and an orchid corsage. It's for me, Bonnie. A ten-pound box of candy. Oh, now ain't that Mr. Marvin nice? He said he'd be here at 8 sharp, Mom. He said he'd like to take me for a drive. But, Bonnie, you haven't eaten a thing tonight. Oh, sorry, Mom. I'm just not hungry. Uh, Bonnie doesn't like home cookie anymore, not since she's been dining with that Marvin lug. Well, not like... Maybe if a certain other party didn't have to rush out every oh, night. pop! Some pop. <laughs> well, anyway, I got some use around here. I found out why that radio hasn't been working. Uh, you did? Yeah, the aerial wire was broken right outside your window, Link. I fixed it. Now, listen. Well, uh, you, uh, you think we should? I mean, while we're eating? Huh? Oh, sure. Entertainment aids the digestive juices. Oh, yeah. Well, excuse me. I think I'll... Quiet. We're listening. You'll remember that Kitty Farmer has been very much taken with the rich young man she's recently met. At the moment, we find him on a soft summer evening, driving along in his car. Where are you taking me? To Lovers Lane. Where is that? Anywhere. Everywhere. Wherever a boy and girl can whisper, I that's, love you. That's funny. Huh? What's funny? Why? I don't know. It, it almost seems as though I've, I've heard those same words before. Some words. Turn it off. No, no, I want to hear this. I've got to keep one on the wheel. What are you stopping for? Kiss your darling. No. No, don't. don't. Please, Please stop. stop. Oh, something on oh dear, I, I feel as if I can tell you what they're going to say next before they even say it. Hmm. Well, that's all. I've heard enough. Mrs. Porter, I'm sure you'll excuse me. I'm not hungry anymore. Not hungry anymore. No, he's not hungry. Must be catching. Some catch. <laughs> Excuse me, everybody, please. Now, now, Bonnie, now sit down. Where on earth are you going? Who, me? Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm going to talk to Link about his appetite. Lady Esther has presented Act One of True to Life, starring Victor Moore, William Demarest, Linda Darnell, and Cary Grant. presents the second act of True to Life, starring Linda Darnell as Bonnie Porter, Cary Grant as Link Ferris, Victor Moore as Pop Porter, and William Demarest as Uncle Jake. Well, Bonnie wanted to talk to Link. About his appetite, she said. But she must have had a lot more on her mind, because now it's several hours later, and Bonnie's sitting with Link on a bench by the lake. <laughs> and by golly, still talking. 
Suppose I did go out with Fletch Marvin. He's a big radio executive, and, well, I, I thought maybe he might give you a job playing or something. What, that wolf? You <laughs> should talk. You're out chasing every night. Oh, go on. I've told you a thousand times. I don't go chasing. Well, you disappear every night, and I don't think it's just for fresh air. Uh-uh, you're jumping to conclusions. You're filling in the blank spaces again, huh? Maybe I... Maybe I shouldn't have tried to help you in the first place. Maybe Mom was right. I, I feel like I want to cry. Uh, oh, do you? It's all sort of... Sort of dry inside. Oh, well, go ahead and cry if it'll make you feel better. I wouldn't give you the satisfaction. Yeah. <laughs> well, all right, don't cry. I know. I, I don't even know why you're wasting time with me. Why don't you go to her? Because there is no her. There's no one, Bonnie, only you. Only you. There. Are you satisfied you made me say it, hmm? Link, you... You love me? Well, don't act so surprised. Oh, Link. Oh, Link. Oh. oh. But the family's all asleep by now. Well, do I have to kiss them, too? <laughs> oh, no, darling, but we've got to tell them. Oh, come on, let's go home and wake them up. In here, Link, in the parlor. I'll call them down and... So you're back at last. Pop, you're all up? We've been waiting for you, Bonnie, and you and Mr. Ferris. Uh, uh, what's wrong? Mr. Ferris, we're just everyday folks. What is all this? They heard the rest of that radio show after you left. Uncle Jake started making telephone calls. Yes, Mr. Ferris. This is Mr. Mammal. He's a lawyer. We're suing Sudsy Suds and the advertising company for $100,000. Now, how do you like that, Mr. Ferris? What in the world are you talking about? Well, uh, look, Bonnie, whatever happens... I want you to know that I meant every word I said tonight. Bonnie, him and Fletcher Marvin, they're friends. And they've been spying on us, putting everything we said and did on the radio. That crazy farmer family. Well, that's, that's ridiculous. It isn't true. It is true, all right. Mr. Mammal here checked everything. We got a perfect case. Oh, Link. Link, you were broken. I, I tried no, to I, help you. I didn't you. say I was broke. You said it. Bonnie... We didn't intend to hurt you. It was just that after we got started, we... Yeah, you made me an old crackpot with crazy inventions. What about me? Me a nagging old hand. Yeah, but Mrs. Porter, don't you see... Yeah, I saw right through you from the beginning, young man. I always said you were no good. Well, Connie, is that the way you feel about it? Well, how do you think I should feel? Lying to me, putting Fletch up to making love oh, to no, me. Oh, no, that's not true. Making me think you were in love with me, proposing to me just to get material for a cheap radio program. Well, if you believe that... I, I believe you're the lowest form of animal life. I... Go on, get out! Suing me for a hundred thousand. I paid my good money for writers, creators, not a couple of peeping toms. Oh, it was a good idea, all right, Mr. Huggins. It just backfired, that's all. Backfired? You're fired. Both of you. You'll never work again while I... Wait I'm a minute, here. Mr. Huggins, wait a minute. I think I've got it. Look, we let the public in. Tell them the truth. Tell them our story is true to life. Tell them there's a farmer family. What? That the real name is Porter. Everything they've heard is true. Say, wait a minute. That is an idea. They'll win their case, but it'll be worth 100000 in publicity. What do you say, Link? Say, if they'll win their case, let's go. Where will I put this goat, Mr. Porter? Uh, goat over there, over there in the dog pen with them two pigs from Canada. Right. Hey, Mister Porter, what invention are you working on now? Oh, invention, oh, invisible paint. Oh. Yeah, uh, you paint something with it, makes it invisible. Wonderful. Well, How's it coming? Well, I'm having a little trouble. I mixed up a batch of it, and I 
put it in a can, I painted the can with it, and now I can't find it. <laughs> there you are, folks. The Porter residence. And that's Pop Porter himself. Hiya, Pop. Hiya, I I get ten cents royalty for every one of them sights here. Hey, Pop, now come in here quick. Here, come in, Mom. Excuse me, folks. What's the matter? Bonnie's leaving. She's going to live at the YWCA. Bonnie, you wouldn't. Oh, yes, I would. You've made a freak show out of this house. You're suing because they made a lot of screwballs out of us on that, on that radio show. Well, we're acting like a lot of screwballs. It was a cheap, dirty trick for them to put us on the air. Yes, Uncle Jake, and it's just as cheap for us to try and cash in on it. Well, you can do it without me. Bonnie. I'll, I'll phone you, Mom. I know what's eating her. She's in love with one of them radio writers. Must be that nice Mr. Fletcher Marvin. No, I'll bet it's Link. Well, we got a good case without her. No, we haven't. Has he gone crazy? Barney's right. That farmer program hasn't hurt us none. People coming to see us, sending us gifts, and me a foreman at the bakery now with my picture on every bread wrapper. <laughs> what have we got to be mad about? If he thinks we're passing up a chance like this... Jake, shut up. Mom, you better phone Bonnie and tell her to come home. Now, I'll get to work on that that love situation. Love situation? Hmm. What do you know about love? Mm, I got me a few exemptions, didn't I? Now, you understand what's happening, folks? We're broadcasting right from the Porter home. Pop Porter is the only one who knows. The microphone is hidden in a bowl of flowers on the dining room table, and I'm announcing from the cellar. Pop has brought Link and Fletch to the house, and now he's waiting for my signal, three raps on the floor, to let him know he's on the air. Now, stand by, everybody. Huggins said this was to be a conference to settle the suit. Now he doesn't even show up. I'd like to know why we were brought here. I certainly didn't invite you. Hey. What was that? That means we're on the... Uh, uh, that's a new invention of mine. New kind of mousetrap. Must have caught three to once. Oh, Pop, if you... <laughs> Pop, if you don't mind. Now, look, Bonnie. You know you're in love with one of these boys. And 30 million people are waiting for you to say which one. Now, which is it, Bonnie? Well, Bonnie, if there's any chance you'll forgive me, I want to tell you I meant everything I ever said to you. Like what, Link? Uh, well, like, uh, like when I said I loved her. Hooray! Now we're getting somewhere. Oh, no, we're not. I wouldn't marry him if he were the last man on earth. Well, Fletch, I guess that means she's proposing to you. To me? Sure. You got anything to say? Yeah, well, uh, I... It's, it's a very great honor, of course, but, uh... Well, Bonnie, Bonnie, you want to be fair to yourself. You see, I'm, a, I'm sort of a, a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I mean... He means he's a two-timing playboy. That's what he means. Uh, am I arguing with you? Look, uh, not that Bonnie and I wouldn't be happy, but, well, that is, oh, I couldn't... Oh, go on. I'll leave you two lovebirds to coo it over. I'll be out of... Oh, no, no, Link. Link, wait. Yeah, she's right, pal. Wait a minute. Yeah, come back here, Link. Now, sit down. Sit down. All right. Bonnie, let's stop this pretending. Will you marry me or not? Oh, well, if you don't mind taking a girl who's practically been turned down... <laughs> Darling. Whoopee, she's going to marry Link. I hope all you folks listening in are as happy as I am. Listening in? What folks? Funny, we've all been on the air. Hey, look, there's a microphone in with those flowers. So that's it, Link. Some more of your tricks. 
Why, you lying, cheating, double-crossing... Hey, put down that vase! Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Bonnie. Link didn't know. I was the only one who knew. You were? Oh, oh, Link. Link, darling? Oh, oh, get some water, pop some spirits of ammonia. Get something. get something. Well, don't just stand there. Somebody hurry up and do something, please. Oh, me, oh, my. Oh, Oh, Link, honey... Oh, darling, are you, are you all right? Oh, yeah, I think so. What hit me? I, I huh? guess those flowers just went to your head. <laughs> uh, some flowers. <laughs> some head. Thank you all for your delightful performances. And our special thanks to you, Cary Grant and Linda Darnell, for having stepped in on a moment's notice to play your parts here tonight. Well, Mr. Bradley, both Carrie and myself were only too happy to fill in. You know, every one of us considers it a privilege to be invited to appear with the Lady Esther Screen Guild players. For we all know the wonderful work being done by the Motion Picture Relief Fund, Country House and Clinic. A work that benefits so substantially from these weekly programs. <laughs> Next week, the Lady Esther Screen Guild players will present Gentleman Jim. It will star Ward Bond, Grant Withers, Alexa Smith, and Errol Flynn. Be sure to listen. Harry Grant can currently be seen in Warner Brothers, Destination Tokyo. Linda Darnell is now working in the 20th Century Fox production, Sweet and Lowdown. Victor Moore appeared through the courtesy of Paramount Pictures, producers of Lady in the Dark. William Demarest is currently being seen in The Miracle of Morgan's Creek, a Paramount production. Truman Bradley for Lady Esther saying, Good night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Fibber McGee and Molly, followed by Mr. District Attorney. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.